Okay, I'm talking this morning about, as Becky said, the Father's blessing. I spoke on it last week. Um, it's kind of a message that I've kind of always had there, but really struggled to articulate, but I feel to share it. I heard some of this when I was in Rwanda um, from a great guy who was over there, and I picked some of the things from him. He, he said that was okay, but I've added my things in, not because I'm better, but just because I thought it would work better here. So um, last week I started to... Um, started to talk about the Father's blessing and what is the Father's blessing. And I said, in the beginning, in Genesis, God made man in his image and he blessed him so that he could be fruitful, so he, could, he had authority to do what God had asked him to do, but also he had the capacity to apply himself. Does anybody want that? Does anybody want to understand that you have the authority, you have, the, you have permission, you have the power to do what God wants you to do? And sometimes in life we get lost in things because things happen and we don't actually feel that we're good enough to get up and do what God wants us to do. But God wants to give us permission. He wants to give us authority as we take responsibility. But he wants to give us the capacity to apply ourselves. Amen? Jesus is the best example of applying himself on this journey. But... um. I just really believe that when we understand the Father's blessing, and you see all the way through Scripture, you see fathers putting their hands on sons and blessing them, empowering them to do what they're called to do. And some of it is prophetic, but really what it does is it affirms in them that they're loved by the Father. And they've got the blessing of the Father uh, to be who they're called to be. So this morning... I just want to share about aligning ourselves. If you weren't here last week, you can listen online on SoundCloud, get the app. You can listen to, to the first preach. But I want to talk about aligning ourselves. How do we align ourselves with the Father's blessing? Um, because, you know, when I look at people like Paul, the Apostle Paul, he gets blessed by God himself. I mean, that's a pretty good blessing, isn't it? Last week I said God uses people human people to pass on the blessing it's a divine blessing but actually God sometimes miraculously interacts with people themselves Paul gets blessed by the father then he's sent to a person to go and lay hands on him and pray for him and it opens his eyes but you know we we have to align ourselves even though we've know we have the blessing Paul it said learned to be content Okay, So we can have an encounter with Jesus, but we're still not content with that encounter. Does that make sense? We know something has happened in our hearts, but we can't articulate in our minds are trying to work out. Or our minds are attached to things in the past that have affected us. You could say a curse or something that's robbing you and stopping you living in the fullness of what God has for you. Paul, it said, learned what it is to be content. So it did not happen straight away. He didn't get converted and go, wow, I'm content. Yes, in his heart he had peace with God, but his soul was on a journey of discipleship and learning contentment. Is this making sense? You know, and I think this happens at different levels. We have different levels of responsibility. You, 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 maybe if you got married, you, you know, you have to find contentment within that. Yeah, good luck. It's a journey, right? Then you have kids and you have to find contentment in that. You change jobs and you have to find contentment in that. Am I making sense? So it's a journey and God works relationally in our lives to help us be content in him and in his blessing. And we look and search the earth, it says, St. Augustine says this, Thou hast formed us thyself and our hearts are restless till we find rest in thee. So our hearts long for rest in God. So how do we align ourselves with this blessing? Does anybody want to go on a journey? 
I'm on this journey. I'm not fully aligned. But I know as I I seek Jesus and I seek the Father and his will over my life, as I've aligned myself up in areas of my life, I've seen the blessing of God come in and through, through people and experience this blessing that I spoke about last week. So how do we align ourselves? The first one, recognize a father. Recognize a father. You've got to have someone, in other words, who speaks into your life. You've got to be someone who's willing to submit to and learn that lesson that we're all under authority. Because you can't get authority unless you're under authority. Making sense? You say, well, I don't need to be under authority. That's not what the Bible says. We're under God's authority. He's the head shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. I am a shepherd that helps the sheep, but he is the shepherd. And I am under him as the shepherd. Does that make sense? And we're all under him. It says in Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, your eyes are not actually on the earthly father. They're on the heavenly father. It's not about your connection with the earthly father or the person you're submitting to. It points beyond them to your relationship with your father in heaven. That's why Peter, when he writes about how you respond to people of employment, even slaves when they're mistreated, he's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the person who's mistreating you. He's, he's trying to get you to loop beyond the natural father and to the supernatural father in heaven because he's the one who will defend you. He's the one who will provide for you. If we fix our eyes on just the natural father, we can miss the supernatural father in our lives. However, we all have to have a father figure. We all got to have someone who is submissive to, someone who can speak into our lives, someone who can tell us, come on, come on, get up, you can do it. Come on, you can get there. Someone who can say, what's going on here in your life? Is that the right choice that you're making? But you've got to be in that relationship. You've got to be accountable, not out of, not out of being told what to do, but actually out of a love relationship that you've got someone who can speak into your life. And if you've got that father or fathers, don't talk about them. Honor them. It's about your connection with God not your connection with those father figures. And we've all got father figures. We've all had father figures. And we'll look at those a little bit longer. So you've got to recognize a father who can speak into your life. The second thing is this. Stay close to your father for the long haul. Now, I'm talking about natural fathers that you need to stick to so you don't jump in and out of relationships when you don't get what you want. But actually, you're prepared to stick with the long haul. And that's to do with church as well. We're not here to just dip in and out. There's a long haul to this. Any fathers in the house? This is your time. This is our time. We're not to jump ship. This is our ship. We're on it. And our kids coming after us, they're watching us. It's not time to jump ship. It's not time to get in and out of church. We're in this for the long haul. Amen? Otherwise, the next generation, there is not one. And it's your watch, it's my time, and I'm going to be here every week. I'm going to be committed to the church. I'm going to be committed to my Father in heaven. I'm going to be committed to his body. This is my time. Is it our time, man? Ladies, mothers, is it our time? It's our time. So let's get on the watch. Let's do it for the long haul. This ship is going, it's moving. We're in it for the long term. In other words, it's commitment and devotion and dedication that God's calling us to. Not just a quick fix, I don't feel like today. Are you still my friend? Stay close to your father for the long haul. Elijah, Elisha, look at the example. 
I said this last week, Naomi, Ruth, it was the long haul. I'm going to hold on to God. I want the promises of God. I want to see the blessing of the Father in my life for, for the next generation so that it's poured out into them. I'm going to pass on the teachings of Christ. They're not just for me. They're for me to pass on to my children and my children's children so that the church doesn't die off like an old building and not here. We've seen too many of them in this nation. We want the church to be alive and passed on. How does it happen? Jesus said the teachings pass them on. Teach them everything. Taught the disciples, they pass them on. We need a generation that says, I'm here to pass them on. Who's going to pass them on? Who's going to pass them on? Say, I'm going to pass them on. Come on. I'm going to be a pastor on it. <laughs> right? I'm going to be one who passes them on to my children. I'm going to pass them on to my teams. I'm going to be hungry for God, the teachings of God, apply them in my life. I'm going to pass them on. This is a long haul, not a short term. And then the third thing, so stay close to your father. Don't dip in and out. You know, and that's, that's with your father figures in your life as well. You've got to be committed to be under the authority. You've got to be committed to listen and to be teachable. We don't know it all. Even the fathers in here, we don't know it all. We're still learning. The third thing, and this is one of my favorite. I think we struggle with this one a little bit. Run errands for your fathers. Run errands for your fathers. In other words, we have to learn the lesson of obedience. If we're not obedient, then we're never going to learn to live in the blessings of God. You know, the Israelites, when they came out of captivity, they were enslaved by work. Do you know what God did to them to teach them to live in freedom? He gave them a day of rest. Wow, we've got to work. It's got to keep doing, got to keep doing. No, 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 he gave them a day of rest. Why? Because they were enslaved by work. Their value is in work. Their value is in doing. And God says, I want you to have a day of rest. Your value is in me, not in what you do. So I'm going to give you a day of rest. And they struggle to do it to trust. Oh, I've got to keep doing. I've got to keep busy because that makes me feel good. That makes me feel valued. I've got to keep going and going. No, 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 no. You've got to teach and you've got to learn the lessons of obedience like David did. He didn't just become a king one day. He looked after sheep, his father's sheep. When all of his brothers were off going to war and he was the one who was weak and no good and nobody looked at and he was out in the sh- he was loving sheep. What was he doing? He was obeying his father. He was submitted to his natural father and loving what his father loved. He was looking after sheep. Listen, he's not looking. The father is not looking if just how you obey your natural father. He's looking at if you apply his principles so that he can entrust you with more in this world. He wants the blessing to flow in and through you. But if we're not taking responsibility with the thing we've been given, he's not going to give you more. Okay, David was given sheep. What have I been given? I've been given sheep. Then his father said, I want you to take and go and tell your brothers and take them some food. There's an errand to run. David does as his father asked. I'll go. And he takes it. And what happens? He finds breakthrough in his life. All of a sudden he sees opportunity that comes. All he was doing was running errands. We need some errand runners. Are there any errand runners? I'm just willing to do, father. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. I'll go. Where do you want me to go? Uh, where, where, do you, where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? My heart's bursting for you, Jesus. Jesus was an errand runner. He did what the Father asked him to do. His eyes were fixed on the errands. Father, I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm an errand runner. Anybody errand running in here? Come on. That's what the Father's looking for. Simple obedience. When we obey, you'll find freedom. You'll find your freedom if you obey. People think, oh, if I obey or I give, I'm going to lose. No, 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 no. You're going to get more. 
if you trust and obey. You see, when the Israelites did not obey, they were still enslaved and found no rest. But when they obey and rest, they were submitting to the blessing of the Father and they would find rest. They'd find peace and they'd prosper more because they'd be well in themselves. Now, I'm not telling you all, go home and have days off. You, you, you need to gauge that yourself, what, how you find your rest. I think we need to do something on that. There's enough people stressing out and tired. But here's the deal. We've got to learn to run errands. In other words, we've got to be willing to obey the simple teachings of Jesus. You know, I like to go to cinema. Anybody like cinema? I watched the Avengers the other day. Cha-ching! It's a good day when your wife says, can we go and watch Avengers? Cha-ching! It's like, what is going on? It's not a chick flick. It's not a rom-com. It's the Avengers! I've scored with this wonderful woman. She's been watching them all the way, building up to it, getting excited about it. It's wonderful. See, it's a blessing of God. (laughs) But here's the deal, right? When you go to the cinema, what always gets your eye? Pick and mix. You can't go to cinema without getting chocolates. Right? It's there. They've done it. It's evil. They stay all along the front, bright colours. But you know, when you go for a pick and mix, what do you do? You go for the ones you like. Mine are white mice. Woo! She knows. She feels it deep down. White mice. It hits the spot like no other. Not the pink ones. They're, they're, they're wrong. They're evil. They should be rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ. Pink mice. Who's ever seen a pink mouse in this world? White mice. Or you go for licorice. Anybody go for licorice? Oh, that stuff. I don't know okay, where it comes from. It's like eating tar or something. I don't get it. Or rhubarb and custards. You know, who's a, who, who goes for the chocolate? Who goes for the chocolate? Yeah, every time. I'm chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. She's like, sweet, 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 sweet. And if we have to share, what's that about? She's very good, actually. She fills them up with white mice. She knows. All the girls know white mice, daddy, white mice. Daddy. It's all in there. They know. But here's the deal. The Bible is not about a pick and mix. We don't pick what we like. We have the whole lot. Okay? We, we don't pick just what we want because we feel it tastes nice and we want it. You need the whole scripture to make you whole. You know, that the, the Father will take you through a process of discipleship. It's about obedience and running the errands of the word. I will submit to the word. I will apply the word. When I apply the word, I'll come the other side and find blessing. Are you with me? It's not a pick and mix. We're not reading the scripture just to read it to see how it affects me. How does this Bible affect me today? No, no, no. It's more than that. There's a bigger picture. What does the Father want to say to you so that it gives you the capacity to apply yourself? To get over yourself so that he can fulfill his plan and his kingdom come in this world. It's not a pick and mix. So when he says in scripture, forgive them like I have forgiven you. Yeah, but I don't want to forgive them. It's not a pick and mix. It's a must mix. And we've got to have the whole white mice, pink mice. I don't like pink mice. But you're going to eat them, Paul, because they're good for you. You've got to chew on this pink mice and eat it because it's good for you. But I don't like it. But it's good for you. That's why when we're singing them songs, God brings good out of all things. But I don't like it. I don't like the rejection. I don't like the disappointments. I don't like the backlash. I don't like the discouragement. I don't like that I haven't got the job I want. It doesn't matter. What matters is you apply this. And you treat others as you would like to be treated. And you honour the fathers. And you honour those in, in, in authority. It's all a test to see if we are willing to submit to the pick and mix master. 
He's given us every sweet that we need in here to change our lives and empower us. But we can't pick and mix it. We can't pick what we want because how we're feeling. No, you have to submit to the Father in heaven and apply his teachings in your life so that you get the fullness of God and the blessing of God, the authority of God, the capacity of God to do what he calls you to do. Amen. Good preaching. Are you with me? It's not a pick and mix, guys. You've just got to eat the whole lot and digest it and apply it in your life. Are you still ready to apply yourself? Are you still ready, sorry, to align yourself? I'm on one this morning, can you tell? I do like white mice. Forgive me, Lord, I'll just keep eating white mice. (laughs) Okay, let's look at scripture. Luke 15, I'm going to look at the prodigal son. Great scripture about aligning ourselves with the Father. You know, it's a... It's, a, it's an illustration, you know, that a narrative that Jesus gives within this that is an illustration to do with the love of the Father. The great love of the Father that is unconditional for us. But we struggle with it because of our past and our experiences to actually accept the fullness of what God has. So I'm going to read Luke 15. If we'll go from verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered the wealth, his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out a citizen of that country who sent him to his, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Have you ever had that craving in your life where you're looking for something and you're looking for it and it doesn't seem to come? You're looking and you're wondering why people don't understand you, but it's just not quite fulfilling you. It says no one gave him anything. I think sometimes we have to get to that place to realize we're not getting it in this world, but there's someone who we can get it from. And then he says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. What, an, what a beautiful image of the Father. That even though we've been far off, wherever we've been, he is filled with compassion and always willing to welcome us when we repent. Through his arms, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's a great illustration, isn't it, of the father. He wants to give back so much to his son's and his daughters. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, 
When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And he answered his father, Luke, all these years I have been slaving. See the mentality? Still a slave. Work, work, work. Still a slave. I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. Can't you just hear this anger inside? (laughs) My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, this is a great illustration of coming back into the Father's blessing, aligning ourselves with the blessing of the Father. You know, and I often wonder how much they actually struggled, not only to be to, re- to receive it, but actually to apply it. We don't know what ha- went on after this. We don't know what the son did with the ring, and the, it's all to do with authority and acceptance back into society and all of this, but we don't know really how they both struggled and what went on after this. They could have had a fight on the car park, church car park fight, or anything could have gone on here. We don't know. But what we do see is we see the Father and what he's like. And if we can learn something new about the Father then, and how we are to respond, then I believe we can receive this, we can learn, we can receive, and therefore we can apply it and do what he's calling us to do. Five, four quick things from this scripture, and then I'm going to give three points at the end. So, lots of points this morning. First point is this. He came to his senses. First thing he did, he came to his senses. This isn't working. What I'm doing isn't working. This thing I'm trying to do is not working. Something's got to change. You know, my my sin, whatever I'm doing is not working. Something's got to change. I want the blessing of God in my family. Something's got to change. You've got to wake up to it. It's not happening. It's not working. The power of God isn't working in my life. What needs to change? I need to come to my senses and say, God, forgive me. I'm going to come back to you. I want to have the whole scripture. I don't want the pick and mix anymore. I want to know you. I'll have the whole pick and mix now. Forgive me, Father. It's not working. There's something not working. He recognized. He came to his senses and said, I'll go back home. I want to come back home. I want to know what the Father says about me. I want to receive what the Father says about me. I want to, I want to receive that authority and that permission to do what God's calling me to do. He came back. He decided, sorry, I'm going to come back home. You know, that's vision for your life. That's recognizing this isn't working, but I want vision. What is God calling me to do? I see I want to go home. I want to see something new in my home. I want to see something new in this community. I want to see something new in my workplace, in my relationships. I want to go home. I want to see what the scriptures say in my life. Then he says, I will repent before heaven and you, Father. You know, the way we change is with a genuine heart. A genuine heart that says, and a sincere heart that says, actually, yeah, it's not working. And actually, it's not working. 
because of me. I'm not going to play the blame game. I'm not going to shift the focus. This is actually about me, Father. And I've been cursing and I've been speaking wrong about people. And I've, you know, we've all done it. But actually, it isn't changing anything. It's actually sealing the blocking of the Father coming into your life. So I recognize, Father, this is not about that person I've moaned about. It's not about that person who's upset me or, you know, not responding to me or looking, looking at me the way I want them to. It's not about that, Father. It's about me and you. And forgive me, Father, I want to move on. Forgive me, Father, I've sinned before heaven and earth. In other words, it's a genuine heart, your relationship with God. You move beyond the, the facade, you move beyond the pride, you move beyond all of that, and you get real with God, and you say, actually, God, this isn't working. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Take me deeper. I want to know more about you. And then he said this. Once he realized this and recognized the vision, if he could just go back home and maybe find a place there, he says he made the journey. Then we have to make the journey. Right? It's about the application of God's word. It's the forgiveness of God. It's forgiving others. It's serving others. It's going out of my way. It's seeking God in prayer for your children. It's seeking God in the scriptures and having a hunger for more of him. Do we want this, do we want this church to grow? Do we want this community to be affected? Well, fathers, it's our watch to seek after him. Not just for us, for, for our children as well and our children's children. We have a responsibility to make the journey. It doesn't just happen. We have to say, I am committed. I want to see. I see the church growing. I see the people coming to faith. I'm going to make the journey. I'm going to go with you, God. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to come home to the Father who will give you the capacity to do what he's calling you to do. I'll make the journey. Are you still with me? Do you still want it? So we're aligning ourselves. You know, this is an illustration people say for people that are far away from God. But I think it's a longer journey than that for that, for us to bring things under the Lordship of Christ in our lives personally. It doesn't just happen overnight. The, the power and the authority that God wants us to give us in our lives is a journey. So I just want to give three last points because I'm into giving points today and finish in a bit with these three points. You know, everything, this is my my next point, everything that the Father has is yours. It says to the son who was struggling, my son, the Father said, you are always with me. Dave, just wait for me. It's because I'm saying three last points. There's lots of points today that are confused. Sorry, my fault, Dave. So it says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. See, we have to have this truth in our lives. God says, I'm never going to leave you. So tomorrow when you get up, God's still with you. When circumstances don't go the way you planned, the Bible said, God says, I'll never leave you. This isn't a pick and mix of how you're feeling. God says, I'll never leave you. So it gives you an awareness tomorrow when you get up, God is with you. So when you get up in the morning, it's not, oh, I'm getting up, I've got my day on. I'm getting up, God's with me. So then it's empowering you for the day. But if you forget that and go, oh, I've got to do this in my own strength. Now we can do things in our own strength, but with God, we can do so much more. We can't bring people to faith without God. 
You can be successful, do well, but you cannot bring people to faith without God. You cannot do it. The Holy Spirit is the revealer, is the convictor. He's the one that draws them to the Father. You cannot do it without God. Your awareness of God tomorrow when you get up, your life is a witness. I was with somebody at the football yesterday and they, are, they, they, are, they go to a school that somebody works in this church and they mentioned their name and told them. See, that tells me this. People are watching them in your workplace. So if you forget God's with me everywhere, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. If you don't have that awareness in your prayer, in your conversation with him, then when you go to work, you'll forget that God is with you. It's like you shut the door on him and put him in the, in the, in the cupboard on a Monday. No, 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 no. You get him out the cupboard and take him with you. Because God's with you. He promises, he says to his son, I have never left you. I've never left you. I'm always here. I'm always here. He was forgetting about honoring the father and then the love of the father. He was missing the love of the father that was already there. He was building it into what he was doing rather than actually what the truth was that his father loved him. I mean, I, I, I would be saddened if, if my daughters didn't see that I loved them. And they are going to have to work through their insecurities and various things. But a father's heart is, well, I just want them to know that I'm here. And the love of the father is here. They might not see it yet, but the love of the father is here. The love of the father is in the home. The love of the father is at work. It's there. Their eyes might be closed to it, but it's there. Why? Because he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And you take it with you daily. Everything that the Father has is yours. And this is the second truth of this. You have everything. It's not held back from you. And if you're thinking, I get what he's saying, and I get this a capacity to be what you want me to be and to overcome and you know to see people come to faith. Yet the truth is, you have it. You need to learn about it, believe it, and receive it and apply it in your life. Are you still with me this morning? The truth is, you have it. If you've received Jesus in your life, you're reading the scriptures, you have it. But you need to remind yourself of what you have. What do I have? I have Jesus. I have eternal life. I have forgiveness of sins. I have the promises of God that says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Not even death has a sting over my life because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I shall not fear because he is with me. He is the stronghold of your life. What can, what can come against you when he is the stronghold of your life? What weapon formed, forged can hurt you when Jesus is the stronghold of your life? Do you hear what I'm saying? But this doesn't just happen. You have to build it into your life daily. You have to remind yourself of the promises of God and the word of God of who you are as a son and daughter of God. It doesn't just happen. Everything that the father has is yours. The inheritance is yours. The ability to prosper is yours. He will defend you against your enemies. That's yours. How good's that? The other brother doesn't go and have a, have a, have a, a scuffle with the brother. No, no, no. Father deals with it. Woo! My father's going to deal with my issues. Those who curse me or say things about me because I'm not good enough. Who's going to deal with them? My father in heaven is going to defend me against them. Everything that the father has is yours. 
It's an in the beginning moment. In the beginning, God blessed them. And we need to remind ourselves of this in the beginning, what's happened to us, and get a fresh hunger for the scriptures and go on a journey of believing in ourselves. You know, sometimes we struggle to believe because of our past, because of our father's experiences in this world of bosses and people. But you know, Jesus has given us the ability to unlock ourselves from that. He doesn't want us to remain in our experiences. He wants to release us out of that. Would you agree? And sometimes we have negative experiences in this world. Like this son had, he went somewhere and and had negatives. Now he could have carried this mindset on to his children, but he didn't. Hopefully, he might have done, we don't know. But hopefully he will have received the forgiveness of God into his life, changed his life, and passed on the Father's blessing to his children. And I want to give you this other point because, you know, it's a simple truth, but if we don't grasp this, then we'll struggle to move on from our past. And it's this. He doesn't keep a record of your wrongs. The Father doesn't keep a record of your wrong. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, God is love. Well, God is love, it says in John. But it says this, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, doesn't boast. Then it says this, it keeps no record of wrongs. Bible says God is love. So if love keeps no record of wrong, that means God keeps no record of wrong, does it not? So who keeps the record of wrongs in your life? Who's keeping records of your past? Who's keeping records of your disappointments? Who keeps it? If it's not the Father, there must be somebody who reminds you to keep a record of the wrongs. Are you still with me this morning? There's a Father of lies who wants to keep you under that, but there's a Father of heaven who wants to release you from that. Into his blessing, into his goodness, into his peace, into his joy. There's another one who wants to keep you down and hold you back and tell you that you're not good enough. And sometimes this happens because we dishonor people. And then we carry that with us, that offense. And I want to speak to some of you this morning that maybe some things happen. They're only small things, but they can affect us when we grow up, but we don't feel good enough. Our value and our worth has been almost eroded to a point where we want to do well, but we haven't, don't fully feel that we're released to be who we're called to be. Here are a few things to think about, about this record keeping and wrongs. Sometimes it's about our relationship with our earthly parents or people that have been responsible for us. Maybe you've caused problems with them in the past where you've offended your parents. Words were said in conversations that we're not honoring, we're not nice, and they hurt some back to you, but you to them as well. Or you've just simply rebelled against your parents at some point. You rebelled and did your own thing. Or you've despised them. Are you still with me this morning? I know this sounds quite negative, but it's important that we recognize if these things have happened and then we move on from them. Maybe you despise them. 
You know, you didn't like, there was, they, they, you compared them to other parents and they were a bit disappointing. You despised your parents. There was no value in them. You wanted other parents. They were, they were alive, but there was no life in them. You were disappointed with them. They've not lived up to your expectations, what you wanted as a parent. So you feel let down. You're always maybe competing with your parents. Maybe you think they're not, they're, they're not cleverer than you or they're not wise. They're an older generation that don't understand. And come on, we can all do this. Youth, we can do this. We can look at our parents and think, they're not cool. They wear old clothes. They haven't got the labels. They haven't got the crocodile, <laughs> you know. It is not cool. They don't wear, look at the trainers that they wear now. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with comparing, but listen, let not your heart despise them or be disappointed in your parents. Look beyond that level and see the love of God that's been given to you from your parents. Or maybe, maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you don't feel that you, you have anyone. Maybe you come church, but you feel alone. Nobody understands you. I've been there. Been there myself. Been in church for a long time. Led a church and still felt like this. No one understands me. Nobody gets me. Why do I share that? Because of this. If we're not careful, we have that orphan spirit within us. We don't really understand that we're a son or a daughter of God. Because this orphan spirit that lies to us and deceives us tells us that we're not accepted, that we're a disappointment, that you despise, you're not good enough. That is a lie. I'm telling you now, I rebuke that lie over your life of an orphan spirit. You are accepted in the beloved. The blood of Jesus is good enough for you. The precious blood of Jesus, God's son, paid the price for you. Jesus is like your brother who came to rescue you. He's not the one who kicks you out and moans and complains about you. Jesus is the brother who was dead and is alive now. He was dead, now he's alive now. And that's the brother who's in your life who gave his life for you. He didn't despise you or say that you're not good enough. He came beyond that and paid the price at the cross for you. The blood of Jesus is sufficient over your life. Believe it and receive it. Receive that truth in your life. Holy Spirit say, reveal that truth in my life that the blood of Jesus is sufficient. The name of Jesus is above all names. I'm not living down here any longer. Jesus is above all things. He's above inadequacy. He's above being rejected. He's above it all and he paid for it on the cross. And I believe it and I receive it. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Empower me, lift me above so I can see my enemies. Raise me above so I can be released to fly instead of being scrouching round on the floor like a cockroach. It's time to get up and put your foot on the cockroach and say no more over my life. No more. Jesus is sufficient. God's grace is enough. Woo! I'll submit to your errand runner. Nobody thought he was a good errand runner when he came to that cross. Luke, people looked at him and thought, why is he... He's running errands from the far and look how it looks in the end. They despised him. They rejected him. They all rebelled against him. But God had a better plan. God had a day he was going to celebrate his son who was dead. 
who appeared to be lost, yet he came to find each and every one of us. He came to find you personally. He came to find you and say, come on, I believe in you. I love you with my precious son. In other words, this is my final point. He comes to release you from your past, release you from unforgiveness and release you into your future so that you can fly and be who God's called you to be. You can witness about the goodness of God, what he's done in your life. And many of you do. I know that you're filled with God. I know that you're hungry for God. I know that you want more of God and you want to see others fly and be released from that captivity. Amen? You know, when the Father... This is an illustration. It's not, it's not in, in, in the Bible, but I believe it's a good illustration to understand what Jesus was doing with the disciples and what Jesus would want to do with you. Okay? And there's, a, there's an illustration. You know when Jesus is baptized in the water and he comes out and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We all long to hear that, do we not? That's at the core of who we are, that who we are we want to know and how loved we want to know. And we find it in Jesus. But apparently this is what they used to do in those, that culture. A father would take on his son and train him in the ways of the father. So he would train him, let's say, at carpentry. And he would take time, long haul, dedication, devotion. When the son made mistakes, he would say, go again, son, you can do it. You just take your time with that piece of wood and the son would get frustrated and the father would have patience with him because that's who he is. And he would have patience and say, come on, son, let's go again. You can do it. And by the time years passed, the long haul and the errand running and the commitment and the devotion and the love of the father, when he was complete, he would take him out into the community And he would say to the community, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, he's learned what I have taught him. He's taken on board what I have taught him. And he has perfected it to a level where he is now doing exactly what I am doing. So he takes him out and says to the community, proud of my boy. Look at the work he does. Look at the chairs he makes. Look at the tables he makes. They're as good as mine. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, he's giving him the authority and the permission. He's giving him the stamp approval like the ring on the finger and saying, this boy is my boy and he's going to do what I've called him to do. Why do I share that? Because Jesus did the same with the disciples. He sat with them, he taught them, he trained them for three years and then he said, take my teachings on board. But he said this, all authority, all authority, heaven and earth, the other way around, heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, you can do what I am calling you to do. 
You can overcome like I overcame. You can forgive like I forgave. You can, you can run errands like I ran errands. You can lay your life down like I laid my life down. In other words, he then empowers them by the truth and the spirit within them to say, you can do it. Your best is yet to come. We've not finished church. We're just beginning with the church. Jesus has not quit on his church. He's still going with the church. He's still building his church. And it's not going, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church wins because Jesus is above all things. And I want to encourage you this week to take on some of these truths, to believe in yourself, to receive the truths the Holy Spirit to reveal these truths in your life, that God's not keeping any records of your wrong anymore, your past is paid for, the blood of Jesus is sufficient, embed that truth in your life, forgive others like he has forgiven you, remind yourself everything, everything. Let's just close our eyes. Maybe you, you want to fly, but you don't feel like you're flying. And I'm not going to ask you to come out today, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I am going to ask you where you are to have a conversation with God. Ask the Holy Spirit, who's the manifestation of God on earth. You want to know what he looks like? Look at Jesus. Jesus honoured the Father, then he sent the Spirit. You want to know what the Holy Spirit's like? Look at Jesus. You want to encounter Jesus? Look at the Scriptures. That's who he is. The Holy Spirit is the same. He's gentle. He's kind. He's patient. He is love. So I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, you're here. You're always here. You never leave us. But sometimes you can lead us in truth. Truth so that we can be released from our past. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now for people to come into the truth. That there is no wrong in you. That they don't need to keep wrongs of their past. They need to stop keeping wrongs of themselves that say they're not good enough. And believe in what you say. That you love them. That you are their beloved sons and daughters. Father, may that truth of knowing who they are, who we are, take us deeper into that, that we are your beloved. We are your sons and daughters. And that, Lord, you are well pleased with the way you made us. You're well pleased with us individually. Help us not to compare, but may we accept that we are who we are and you've made us this way. And may we be a blessing to others with our uniqueness our giftedness, our talent. And Father, we just pray right now for your truth. Holy Spirit, reveal truth in people's lives. How much love you have for them. How much you want to just accept them and welcome them into your arms. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All I'm going to say to you this week is fly. Spread your wings and fly. Enjoy your week. Remind yourself that God is with you every day. 
May you base your life on his principles and his words and may you flourish and grow this week. Amen.